0: Today we're gonna cover some of the basics of life insurance, the the reasons for getting it, the process of getting it, and the different types of policies that are out there.
1: Someone who's 30 years old today has about a 12% chance of dying before the age of 60.
0: The last thing that you want is your family to feel like they're under pressure when you pass away, to make things happen and make Mm. things happen quickly.
1: It's less expensive to get when you're younger and healthier, Uh easier to get when you're younger and healthier, Rarely do people get younger and healthier over
0: time. You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Inc., a registered broker dealer, Member FINRA SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode four of Financial Clarity for Doctors. I'm your host, Rochelle Vanderzanden, with my co host here, Corey Janoff. Hey. Hey. It is Life Insurance Awareness Month. And I think a lot of people avoid talking about life insurance because it's kind of morbid. No one really wants to talk about it. Makes sense. But it is important to talk about just to make sure that we have the proper protection in place for our families and things like that. And today we're going to cover some of the basics of life insurance, the the reasons for getting it, the process of getting it, and the different types of policies that are out there. I feel like it can be very complicated, but it doesn't necessarily need to be, so we'll just go through some basics of how to think about it. And Corey's going to start us off with some interesting statistics. He's good with those. <laughs> yes,
1: so... Um, doing some Googling earlier and was trying to see what the odds of actually dying are and stumbled across the social security administration's website, which I figure is probably the deepest database on that stuff. And looking at their actuarial life tables, someone who's 30 years old today has about a 12% chance of dying before the age of 60. So in other words, about a 12% chance of dying in the next 30 years. And the reason why I Looked at age 30 and age 61. Most people listening to this probably aren't much younger than 30. Maybe we've got some residents and med students on the on the um, uh, listener uh, lineup, but um, but most people, you know, starting a family, getting married, having kids, usually around that age 30 or so. And uh, if they die before the age of 60, probably going to cause some potential. Problems or financial financial hardships for their family, and then looking out a little bit further, if you look at a forty year old, the odds are pretty similar. It's about a ten and a half percent chance that they die before the age of sixty. So, about ten and a half percent chance of dying in the next twenty years for a forty year old. So, what what does this mean? Well, odds are you aren't going to die before the age of Positive sixty, note. <laughs> but but there is a chance that it could happen. And the whole point of getting life insurance is to protect your family in case that does happen. Mm-hmm. And if you do pass away prematurely, it's probably not only going to cause some emotional problems, but but odds are some financial problems as well, especially if you're the primary breadwinner. But even if you're not the primary breadwinner, like it, you know we've got a lot of doctors who have stay-at-home spouses and if the stay-at-home spouse passes away, while the kids are young, I mean, holy smokes, imagine what what type of detriment that's going to cause to the the bank account when you have to either scale back at Mm -hmm. work or hire additional child care.
0: Take some time off from work.
1: Yeah, maybe you want to mourn because you just lost your spouse. (laughs) So there's definitely costs um, if either parent passes away, regardless of what the income uh, is in the situation or in the family. So um, definitely, you know, not trying to To scare you here, but but maybe we are trying to scare you. Get life insurance if you plan on having a a spouse or children one day, people that depend on you financially. Even if you um, have parents that you support, if something happens to you, then uh, uh, they're going to be in a tough spot financially unless you've accumulated a sufficient amount of assets. So um, with that, Rochelle, why don't you give us some of the reasons why people might want to get life insurance? We sort of touched on that protection yeah. piece. But what yeah, else?
0: there are a lot of reasons. I think that protection piece is the biggest one. It's another one of those just do it moments where you just you just need to make it happen. If you have a family, like that family is probably dependent on you to a certain extent. Um, there are a few other reasons that people don't think about quite as often. One of them is just for business loans, so if anyone out there is planning on buying into a practice someday, for example, if you need to get a loan from a bank in order to do that, a lot of times the bank will require a, like, a life insurance policy as collateral for that loan. They just don't want to be a part owner in the business if you pass away. It might seem a little cold, but they just want their money back at that point. Um, and then there are some other more complicated reasons that can come in.
1: Well, and on that business yeah. note, in addition to just securing a business loan, um, if you're looking at buying into a practice and becoming a yes. partner, you, know, you, you probably have a partnership agreement and a buy sell agreement. If one of the partners passes away, yep. how is that handled? How are, how how is the deceased owner's shares being bought out? Cause right. you know, the other partners may not want to be in business with the deceased owner's spouse and the spouse, probably doesn't want to be in business either. They just want the money, whatever the value of of their share of the business is.
0: And there may be a requirement for you to buy out that partner. And if there's no way to fund that buyout, that Mm -hmm. can be challenging. So life insurance can definitely play a part there. Yeah,
1: if each each owner has a $1 million stake in a valuable practice, how Mm -hmm. is that million dollars being dispersed? It'll be spelled out in your operating agreement, but unless... The other partners are just sitting on a million dollars of cash. You know, they might want to fund that with a life insurance policy.
0: Right. Then there's also some estate planning issues if you do plan to leave a legacy to your family. Like there are estate taxes that come into play at the federal level. It's it's a pretty high bar. It's like more than eleven million dollars now, right, Corey? Um,
1: per for federal, yeah. So if you're right. married,
0: it's a twenty-two million. Exemption. Exactly. So it's but a pretty states. high bar. Exactly. There are different um, regulations depending on what state you live in. So just be aware of that. One way to plan for that is if you have a life insurance policy that's basically designed to, to pay for those estate taxes on the back end so that your family doesn't have to shoulder their burden out of the estate itself. That could be really helpful.
1: Or just creating a liquidity event. You know, mm-hmm. if your estate, if a lot of your assets are tied up in either businesses the or real, real estate, estate. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have loans on those any of those properties, the bank's gonna come calling when you pass away, and it it can be difficult to sell a commercial property um, or any business, you know, in a short time span. So if, if you need to pay back that loan, having that life insurance, um, or needing to buy out of a business stake, having that life insurance to create that liquidity, so your family can um, either pay off the debt or, or get out of the business partnership, whatever the case may be, without having to sell a, a business or property at prior right. sale prices.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean. Inevitably, when we do get to that point in, in the stage of our lives where everyone has to deal with Good our passing. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's also just helpful to, to buy time for people. Like you, The last thing that you want is your family to feel like they're under pressure when you pass away, to make things happen and mm-hmm. make things happen quickly. So life insurance is definitely a way to, to provide some flexibility there. Mm-hmm. There is one other use for life insurance that... I think is almost over recommended. It kind of depends on who you're talking to and what you're talking to them about, but it can be used as a way to build cash value over time that you can potentially remove from the life insurance policy and use as maybe additional retirement savings or things like that. It is very complicated. And it's not appropriate for everyone. And there are a lot of other avenues that we want to make sure we're exploring, like more traditional retirement savings and things like that, before we automatically go to life insurance. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure, Corey, you probably have some thoughts about that too. But
1: Yeah, and it's probably worth having a, a separate, separate conversation. Yeah, just absolutely. to talk about life insurance as an investment vehicle. If it's done right and under the right circumstances, mm-hmm. it can be a nice complement to other investment or savings vehicles you have, but really until you're maxing out your retirement plans at work, maxing out your IRAs, mm-hmm. and, and you've run out of the traditional places you can put money on a tax advantage basis, yeah. good problem to have, but that's when we can start looking at some of those alternative investments like life insurance. And um, it has its pros and cons like anything, but if you understand and are are willing to accept the the negatives associated with it, then the positives can, can again, be a nice complement to some of the other uh, investments you may have. So if we have time, we'll we'll touch on it a little bit more today. But just know that it can be structured as an investment, but um, definitely not something that we would recommend to everybody. Yeah.
0: And going back, I think that primary reason for getting life insurance is generally just that protection need. And other people can fall into other things, but that's the thing that that most often drives that need for life insurance. But it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. For some people it is, it just kind of depends, but there is a whole process that you have to go through to get life insurance, and if you're committed, it's not gonna be that hard, but you have to fill out an application, you have to provide medical details, you generally will have to do like a mini medical exam, but a lot of companies will even send someone to your house to make it easier, like they they try to pave the way so that they have enough information to make a smart decision on their end, but not make it too inconvenient for you. that being said, like they're going to comb through your medical history. So if there's concerns there, it can be more expensive. It can be very difficult to get if you do have a medical history or if you have a history of doing things like jumping out of planes, for example.
1: <laughs> you're an <laughs> avid skydiver. Or a scuba diver.
0: <laughs> or, you know, you really like...
1: Motocross racer.
0: Yeah, visiting the middle east frequently <laughs> if you have travel plans that take you to places that might be considered a little bit more dangerous that can make life insurance more difficult yeah so yeah
1: they, i guess it's probably worth going down this uh path a little bit further you know in order to qualify for life insurance you have to be somewhat healthy and, mm-hmm. and probably not engage in too many crazy activities. Right. <laughs> um, and, and it's less expensive to get when you're younger and healthier. Uh-huh. Easier to get when you're younger and healthier. Rarely do people get younger and healthier over time. <laughs> so I know as Rochelle and I, could we've talked before, but I mean, we're not old by any means. But as we get older, it seems like... Uh, it, it, the aches and pains become more <laughs> apparent after you you know, go play basketball with your friends. You feel it more than mm-hmm. you did when you were in your 20s. Very true. Um, but anyways, you know, the life insurance companies are aware of this too, so they charge more for the, the older you get. But I think the, the point I'm ultimately trying to get to is you may be healthy now, but you just never know when that could change. Mm-hmm. um just you never know when a when a health issue could pop up that could either make it very difficult or or very expensive to get life insurance or maybe prevent you from getting it all together um you know some some people that would otherwise be considered very healthy uh have have underlying issues that make life insurance a challenge like i know uh, several people um, I don't know if you're familiar with that skinny person sleep apnea. You know normally you think of sleep apnea as something yeah. with the more heavy set folks, but but there's right. like the tall, skinny folks too that, that can get it. And if if that's the case, you know, they otherwise look perfectly healthy, but that could cause some problems and make it more difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, there's an endless mm-hmm. slew of, of health Uh, ailments concerns that that you may not think are a big deal they may not really pose a risk to your mortality but to a life insurance company it could potentially in their eyes lead to other things and it could be a good reason for them to charge you more Um,
0: and they're looking at 20 years you know or 30 years they're not they're not looking at you potentially passing away in the next one or two years they're just concerned that you know could this health condition that you have now turn into something more serious And then perhaps lead to a premature death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the the more possible that is in their eyes, the more expensive it's going to be for you to get life insurance. Yep,
1: Yep. Or potentially decline you altogether if they don't Mm -hmm. think it's worth the risk. So, you know, definitely if you think you're going to need life insurance, get it sooner rather than later. You know, a lot of people say, oh, once you have kids, get life insurance. No, get it before you have kids. If you know you want to have children, get it now. Even if you don't have a huge need now, because you know you're going to have a need later. So get it while your age and health are more favorable, assuming your health is, is, is in good standing. If it's not in good standing... Um, You know, there's other routes you could explore, like maybe your employer Mm -hmm. offers some form of coverage that you can purchase without having to go through medical underwriting. It might be a little more limited in how much you can get, but hey, whatever you can get is better than nothing. So um, if you're fortunate enough to be in good health, use that to your advantage and lock in the coverage now um, if you think you're going to need it one day.
0: And there are situations that I'm sure you've seen in the past too, Corey, where sometimes someone may get declined for coverage, for example, and if that ever happens to you, I don't want you to assume that means you can never get life insurance because there are some situations where it might be something that happened now, but if they revisit it in the future, maybe you're healthier, or maybe that one thing that was concerning to them is no longer an issue. So maybe it's lab work that turned out funky. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's travel plans, but then you go two years without doing anything crazy. <laughs> and now they see you as less of a risk. So if something like that does happen, just make sure that you revisit it. Don't assume that you can't ever get life insurance.
1: Yeah, time is a big factor. If, if you had a, a prior health issue and uh, you can demonstrate a, a period of time where it's either a non-issue or it's controlled and stable, that will be more favorable in the insurance company's mm-hmm. eyes than something that's that's newer and more at the onset cuz they don't know the direction it could take right if you can show a history of stability or, or non-existence like you know cancer is a, an easy one to point mm-hmm. at if you just been diagnosed with cancer or just or have gone into remission you're not going to be able to qualify no way but if five or ten years has passed and you haven't had any further issues then companies are going to be willing to take a look at you again Mm -hmm. and offer you some coverage
0: and that's another thing is that some of those um, chronic conditions that are maybe a concern for life insurance but not necessarily an automatic decline if you have better medical records sometimes that's helpful so like type 1 diabetes, if you don't go and see your physician very often because you are a physician and you feel like you can monitor it on your own, the the life insurance company is going to look and see a lack of data, a lack of supporting documentation that your diabetes is well controlled. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing to consider, you know, make sure you're, you're seeing your... Your PCP, if you do have something like that going
1: on, yeah. Yeah, definitely. The more stability and control that you can document, because that's all, they, they're not going to take your word for it. No. Nope. They're, they're going to go <laughs> look at the medical records and, uh, and see all the notes and the details. So the more details and notes they can go off of, uh, preferably positive ones, mm-hmm. the better.
0: So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess anything else on the health side of things we should touch on here?
0: No, I feel like it's pretty complicated, so if anyone ever has questions, they're obviously welcome to reach out and ask us, because everyone's situation is a little bit different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of different situations, what type of coverage should we be getting? There's a lot of different types out there. Um, You've probably heard of term life and whole life Mm -hmm. and variable and universal and adjustable and index and a lot of different combinations and iterations of those Mm -hmm. a lot of different types of policies out there they all have different uses and purposes and they're all designed for different scenarios and needs so I think the easiest thing to do is separate them into two categories and the Mm -hmm. two categories that all policies fall into are either temporary policies Mm -hmm. or permanent policies temporary or the term policies which many of you have probably heard of term insurance Really simple, really straightforward. You're essentially just renting coverage. Yep. You get a policy for maybe 10, 20, 30 years, whatever time frame you sign up for. If you die within that time frame, family gets a large check.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you live longer than the time frame, that's a good thing, but the coverage expires at the end of that term. So with, with term insurance, it's not a matter of, of if. Or, excuse me, it's not a matter of when you're going to die, it's a matter of if you're going to die within that time frame. For those statistics we brought up at the beginning, if there's about a 10% chance of you dying within that time frame, the insurance company is going to price accordingly for that. Right. Uh, but there's a 90% chance you're not going to die, so it's going to be pretty inexpensive to get term insurance.
0: You kind of get the most bang for your buck with term insurance. You can get more coverage at a cost that's more reasonable. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. if you're in decent health, you can get a lot of coverage for a relatively low cost, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, very affordable from a month-to-month standpoint. And I would say term insurance is probably the most common and most appropriate for most people.
0: Yeah for a lot of people. The thing about life insurance is that right now, especially if you have a protection need, you don't necessarily have a protection need forever. If like you have a young child, let's say a two-year-old, in 20 years they'll be 22, hopefully, A little bit more independent and a little less dependent. (laughs) Hopefully they're out of the house
1: and not coming back home after college to live in your basement.
0: Right. (laughs) But the other thing is that even if they do have a little bit of dependence on you still, hopefully you've also built up your empire a little bit instead of having student loan debt to leave behind, which Mm -hmm. uh, you probably wouldn't have that to leave behind anyway. But you have hopefully some assets built up that mm-hmm. you can leave behind to your family at that point. So your your need for life insurance peaks when you have young children and not mm-hmm. a lot of assets, but over time it declines. So hopefully at the end of whatever term period you select, you don't need that life insurance anymore.
1: Yeah, or the need is greatly reduced. Greatly reduced, and yeah. And you can get by with a much smaller policy, maybe just the coverage you after work or something. So, mm-hmm. um, on the other end of the spectrum, you have... Permanent policies, which, you know, a lot of different types of permanent plans, they're all designed to do different things, but at the end of the day, they can all be designed to last forever. Mm -hmm. Whether you die tomorrow, they pay, or 100 years from now, they pay. So naturally, they're going to be more expensive, because... The insurance company knows it's just a matter of time before they're going to have to write that check. If you look
0: at the actuarial tables, everyone dies eventually. Yes,
1: everyone (laughs) dies eventually. Sorry to break it to you. Yep. um, (laughs) It's just a matter of when. As long as you keep paying your premiums, it's just a matter of when that check has to be written by the insurance company. So they're going to charge an appropriate amount for it, which is going to be significantly higher than the term policy, Mm -hmm. all else being equal. Um, But some people want their life insurance to last forever for mm-hmm. some of the reasons we, we outlined earlier. You may have a desire for that protection to last until you die or indefinitely. Maybe you just, the term, you don't want to be pigeonholed into a 20 or 30 year window. You want to have more open-ended um, abil- uh, availability on that coverage and then you can just cancel it when you no longer need it. But mm-hmm. whatever the reason is, you you want your coverage to last longer and you're willing to pay a little bit more for it and uh, you know, if you eventually pass away, then it's, you know, probably going to be worth it in the long run because the benefit will hopefully be more than what you paid into it over that mm-hmm. time. Um, yeah. But it's just, you know, how worth it is it? Uh, is it necessary to have? And that's a case by case basis.
0: Right. And you often hear people say like, buy term, invest the rest. Like that's mm-hmm. this mantra that you hear coming from a lot of people. And that's the alternative to permanent insurance is if you're investing the additional premiums, hopefully it's, it's not like, a waste. Hopefully, you're still building something somewhere else. But, but yeah, there. I think there are a few situations where permanent probably does make sense for people.
1: Yeah, um, yes. I think one just long term protection. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to leave something behind for your family or a charity, you want to leave that legacy. Legacy planning. Yeah, mm-hmm. Estate planning. Um, you know, if there's potential estate taxes owed, and keep in mind, t- laws change over time. You know, right now. We're sitting in an environment where you got to be worth a lot of money before you're taxed at the federal level from an estate tax standpoint. But some states have much lower thresholds. Like here in Oregon, it's a $1 million threshold, I believe. So anything above that is going to be taxed at the state level. So there's going to be some taxes owed unless you want to send some money to the the state government. um,
0: And I think just as of, what, three years ago, the federal estate planning Exemption was half of what it is now.
1: Yeah, it went up right. recently. But then back in, I think it was maybe 2010 when it changed. It used to be a million. Um, yeah. And, so it, it, and
0: they can change that again. Yeah. That's the point. So right now it's
1: high, <laughs> but fast forward a few years, who knows? It could be yeah. a lot lower. Um, it could be non-existent. You know, the, the laws change over time. So it's very, it's, it's very short-sighted to say, oh, I don't need it because the laws are this. Well, the laws could change. Right. Um, so I guess, it, you know, we're, it's not a, some people don't care. Like, yeah, if I owe some taxes when I'm dead, whatever, that's the family's problem.
0: <laughs> oh no, they had to pay taxes yeah, on $11 million. But so. some people,
1: <laughs> some people want to plan for that and having the ability to, to set yeah. up a policy there so their family gets to inherit the assets rather than a tax bill.
0: Right. Um,
1: you know, they'll, they'll get life insurance for that. We mentioned that liquidity need. If you have some some assets that might be hard to sell or, or debts attached to them, mm-hmm. um, paying off those debts and, and getting out of partnerships, business arrangements, etc., cetera, um, is a good need. You may not – with term insurance, again, the term ends, but if you have a business partnership, that partnership could, could last indefinitely. Yeah. Um you know, you might want a policy that lasts indefinitely, so you're not having to redo the term, and if health changes, you may not be able to get a new term down the road. Right. So you might buy a policy, pay a little bit more, but get a policy that lasts indefinitely for um, whenever it may be needed.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's one important thing to point out about term coverage in general, is that a lot of those policies have a built-in conversion privilege, mm-hmm. which means that at any point during the term length of that contract, so let's say you bought a 20-year term policy, for example, if within that 20 years you want to convert into a permanent policy, you can do that without having to do the medical underwriting again. So if your health has changed, it doesn't matter. But at the same time, you will have to pay like a higher cost because you have to pay at the age that you convert at, basically. So you're a little bit older. Mm -hmm. The cost of that permanent insurance is going to be a bit more. But it does give you a little bit of flexibility. So you don't have to necessarily commit to a permanent product up front. You could have the option to make your coverage last longer on the back end if you need it to.
1: Yeah, and I think that's big having a term policy that you can convert into a permanent plan. You may never need it, mm-hmm. you may never want to convert it, but yeah. I mean, we could come up with endless scenarios where it would be appropriate. Like maybe you have a 20 year term, and in year 19, you're diagnosed with a terminal illness you can just flip the switch and that way your family is going to be insured to get that benefit even if you live past that 20 year mark so right. you don't want to you want to be in control of when your coverage ends you don't want someone else or some company to tell you when it's going to end so having that option that control that ability is huge and being able to maintain the superman or superwoman health rates that you got <laughs> when you were younger is big so if you do have that terminal illness they're still going to give you the the health rating that you got uh, when you were younger, because you locked in that policy that allows you to convert, no health questions asked.
0: Yeah, you can even tell them. <laughs> yeah, Say, hey, thank There's you t- for this
1: <laughs> this privilege. I'm you're getting ready to, to write a check. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, so morbid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think the the next question that we usually get from people after talking about the details of life insurance, what it is, whether you need it or not, it's just how to go about getting it, and I think the important thing is to just not open a phone book and throw a dart and find someone, and especially don't go and work with a company that can only sell you their own products. It's not necessarily that that company has bad products. It's just that you're not getting a very, like, a wide variety of things to choose from. There's just a lot of options on the market that you're not seeing in that situation. And the one company that's going to be right for one person is not necessarily going to be right for someone else. So if you can find, like, an independent agent that can look at a lot of different life insurance companies and kind of compare the options and go through those options with you and then pick one that's a good fit for you and starting at that point can be very helpful.
1: Yeah, depending on your situation, circumstances, need, goals, etc., a different company might be more appropriate.
0: Or more cost-efficient. Yeah,
1: just from a pricing standpoint. Yeah. Now, one company might price $2 million of 20-year term on a healthy woman more favorably than another company, but that other company might price $3 million of 15-year term for a 38-year-old man. More Mm -hmm. more competitively, so you know every company is a little bit different in what they what their pricing table looks like, and they have a different target demographic. Like some companies are very competitive with their rates, but their target demographic is young, healthy people. So if you're young and healthy, you get competitive rates, but if Mm -hmm. you're not young or not as healthy, that company may not be the best fit, right. whereas, you know, other companies might price it a little bit higher, but they're more competitive for a slightly older demographic or a slightly, or they're more flexible on the health side of things. Like mm-hmm. the build table is a common one, you know, yeah. uh, you know that height and weight, what's your build is a mm-hmm. very fun term that a lot <laughs> companies use, but, um, you know, they just have, they literally have a table for, you know, men and women, height and weight, um, And you know they'll have. Like their put you in a box, basically. Yep, exactly. <laughs> you know, best rating, the second best rating, third best, et cetera. And yeah. you know the 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 numbers might be a little more lenient for one company than another.
0: And one thing to consider is that it's not always just. Like that specifically, it's not over people that are overweight. It can also be something that the life insurance company might consider underweight. Yeah. And not every company views the same bill as underweight mm-hmm. too. So I've seen that one come up quite a few yeah, times.
1: Yeah, i have definitely seen that where people are, are...
0: More on the slender side. Yeah,
1: definitely on the slender side and, and in the insurance company's eyes, too slender in their opinion. And that can affect things. So um, But yeah, some companies might be a little more lenient on that direction as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So yeah, Working with someone that can help you shop the market, an independent agent, like Rochelle said, will help you be able to find what is hopefully the best fit for you, um, and not necessarily the best fit for, for them. So, right. you know, in, in the insurance industry, the insurance agents are compensated from the life insurance companies, so if, if they're representing one particular company, if they work for one company Odds are they're going to be <laughs> recommending their own company's products. Not that their company has bad products, but it just there may be something else out there that's a little bit more appropriate for you that you wouldn't have known otherwise if you uh, if you weren't working with someone that that could show you those options.
0: Yeah, so makes sense. I think this is kind of a morbid conversation. It kind of has to be, but also necessary. Something to think about and not ignore. Um, I think one thing that I've come across a lot is just parents with young families, they understand they need life insurance and they have a hard time making the time to make it happen mm-hmm. and do it, guys. <laughs> <And as laughs> make it happen. Parents
1: of young kids, Rochelle and I can <laughs> tell you, it's a lot easier if, before you have kids to get stuff done. <laughs>
0: yes, yes. So if
1: you think
0: <laughs> so you're true. going
1: to start a family one day... <laughs> Get the important stuff done before the kids arrive.
0: There's a reason the parents we talk to have a hard time getting it done. <laughs> yeah, we
1: understand. We sympathize, empathize with you. We're in the same boat. So, yeah, if you, you may not have a huge need today, um, but it's a good use it. Plan ahead. Um, you have a future need, so plan ahead for that future need. This is a financial planning podcast. So we're talking about planning here. Future yep. planning, I guess, could be the the additional reason why you would get life insurance. Right. Know, for that future reason. And obviously if you have a family, if you have a need now, just stop listening and, and get it. You know, go yeah. Google or call us, we'll figure, we can help point you in the right direction. But you definitely need some coverage, ASAP, if you've got dependents and you are uncovered at the moment. So
0: Absolutely. And our goal isn't to stress you guys out or to make you worried and put one other thing on your to-do list. It's just like when you have this stuff taken care of, you feel better and your finances are more secure and your family's finances are more secure. And that's the point, like just make you guys feel like your financial plan is on a solid footing. And this is a huge piece of that.
1: Yes. We want your financial plan to be a source of strength and comfort and not a source of worry and stress to steal a quote from one of our mentors.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So if you guys are enjoying our podcast, we're on episode four now. Subscribe. It'll Mm -hmm. be awesome. We'll keep filling up your inbox with more.
1: Yes. Enjoy.
0: We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Finity Group, LLC.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff.
0: You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on LinkedIn as well
1: check out all of the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our blog, thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.